Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Fork Fix podcast. I am Sherry Bant, and this episode is titled Healthcare, Hospice, Death, and Whole Food Plant-Based Seeding. This podcast is going to tell a little bit about where I've been, why I've been absent, um, where I've been the last pretty much four months, uh, radio silence, I guess, for those of you out there who listen. I know I don't have a huge base of listeners, but I know there are a few, and some of you, I'm sure, wonder what happened. So this is going to kind of explain that in detail. I have a lot that I want to share. Um, Hopefully what I'm sharing, um, some of it, I might get emotional. So bear with me through that. I'm hoping it'll help any of you out there that may be in this kind of situation or be faced with it in the future. And I know that a lot of us will be or are. So um, so let me just jump right in. So I, about around the beginning of April, you know, I was on my plant-based journey, doing my thing, doing my daily walks, doing my weekly podcast. I was blogging once a week. Um, you know, just hanging out with my family as I was. Um, I had been talking to my mother almost every few days. Um, she had been declining some, which I was very aware of. Uh, I will just kind of like, I want to tell the whole scenario because I think this will be helpful for others. Um, she had fallen last fall um, and and I hadn't seen her for quite some time, but she had fallen. I still talked to her quite frequently. She had stopped driving since last fall. Uh, she was in a place, she lived in Auburn, Indiana. So, um, she was in a place where she could have groceries and things delivered. Unlike us here living out in the middle of nowhere. So if you're watching on video, you can see my beautiful trees back there. Hopefully you can see those. But anyways, um, we don't have that luxury, but she did, which was a blessing because I wasn't there. Um, I did have uh, my brother who lived close to her, but their relationship was a wee bit rocky and, um, yeah, so she wasn't all alone. Um, she had neighbors around her that kind of, you know, looked after her and things, um, which I'll go into here in a moment. But anyway, I knew that things were kind of not great. Um, she had a close friend that was kind of sending me messages and saying, Hey, Sherry, you got to do something. And I knew that I did, but I wasn't even sure where to start. My mother, I will just say for the last 10 years or so, um, since my father died, we've gotten along really pretty well, had a pretty solid relationship. Um, you know, we were friends, close friends, along with her being my mother. Uh, but I will say that she was a tough, she was a tough cookie. She was a tough mom at times, extremely stubborn as a person. She did her own thing. And, um, she wasn't someone who was just going to listen to anybody, even including me. So I would say to her that she maybe needed to go to the doctor and she would not have any part of that. So long story short, um, she had some, um, an incident happened in her house where she had a flooded basement. She had to have contractors come in. I just assumed since people were coming in and out of the house that, um, that maybe things weren't as bad as what I thought they could be. And, um, and I will, I will kind of explain that here in a minute, but anyways, people in and out, but during that whole scenario, it really fatigued her. She, um, had fallen a few times, lots of times I found out after the fact, uh, the people that were in her house were helping her get up, things like that. Right before I went down the beginning of April to see her, she gave away her dog, which I, so then I knew things were like really serious. She's, you know, she, she told me on the phone, she'd fallen with him. She couldn't, you know, take care of him really anymore. 
And um, so now let me let me explain just a bit with my mom. She was a hoarder. And I know I probably should have put that in the title of because that would have went with my H's like healthcare, hospice, hoarding. My mom was a hoarder. She wasn't always a hoarder. Um, when I was young, really young, I don't think she did. It was more when when she had money, she would buy things and keep lots and lots and lots of things. And I know in our society, there's lots of people out there who have this problem. And some of it, you know, it's probably kind of like other issues, like even I would say, and for I don't mean to sound offensive, but even like autism, I think it's probably a spectrum disorder kind of thing where um, meaning that somebody can have, you know, a little bit of hoarding tendencies to extreme hoarding, right? Like you see on the TV show. Well, I knew this and I um, and I had kind of battled with it as a child because I grew up in kind of the mess as I got older and had to deal with that. And um, it was tough. So I knew that once I was in her house that it would probably be bad, but I had no idea. So, okay. So fast forward to where were to April. I guess that wouldn't be fast forward, but fast forward to April. Um, I had her neighbor because they were very, she was close with um, a couple of the neighbors. Uh, the, um, they called me, I think it was, I think it was a Tuesday morning because the Sunday before my husband and I, we decided my mom wouldn't answer the phone and I was concerned that maybe she fell again and then she couldn't get help. So we decided to drive down to Auburn. We were part, part of the way there about an hour and a half in or so. And I got a call from her and I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to be blunt with my language. So I, if I offend you, I, I apologize, but um, when I called her, she's like, turn your ass around, Sherry. I don't need you coming down here. You know, I don't want you doing that. Um, I just turn around, turn around. I don't need your help. We'll be okay. I'll let you know when I need your help is what she told me. So anyways, the neighbor called me, I think it was Tuesday morning and said, um, uh, your mom fell through in the night and, um, they had to get her up and she was able to get to the phone and, and they could get her up, but something is really wrong. So you need, she needs help. So I didn't call her this time. I just, you know, I talked to my husband. I said, we're going to have to go down. I don't know how it's going to go because in my mind, I, I had kind of um, dealt with her parents and that's a whole, that could be a whole nother podcast in itself. Um, but we tried to get them help for a long time. They refused help. We tried to call social services. They wouldn't help us. And I kind of thought that I would be in the same boat with my mom, even though she went through that with her parents. I, she was stubborn just like them. So I thought she was going to refuse me getting her help. So we got there and I'll just paint a picture for you. And this is, I'm going to, I'm going to start to get a little emotional, but I walked in the house and it was really bad. It was really bad. And, um, and I knew it would be, but it was like so bad to the point where like my husband and I were inhaling. They were fruit flies is what they were. We found out after the fact, but like we're walking into this house and you're just like, you know, it's bad. And I tried not to act like it was bad in front of my mom because I knew she was embarrassed by it. So that was keeping, you know, me from being able to be there. That was keeping that thing was keeping her from asking for help because I think she probably felt shame in how her house looked. But mind you, for the weeks prior to this, there had been all kinds of people in and out of her home and not one person not one person called anybody and no person should have been living in the house that she was living in. And I understand, I don't fault any of those people because I know getting involved in someone else's business is not something most of us want to do, right? I didn't even want to do deal with my own business, you know, let alone have someone, an outsider. But anyways, I'm just shocked that no one called. 
So um, she was sitting in the chair and she was very weak. And I knew that I knew just looking at her, honestly, I knew I knew I knew she was dying. I knew I could just tell. I didn't know what was wrong with her. I knew that she hadn't been taking her thyroid medication. She hadn't been for about six months or so. When I saw her, I hadn't seen her for quite a while. She had lost like tons of weight. She was probably, I would say around 180 at some point. Um, probably the last time I saw her, she was around 180. And um, I think they, I think she was like 140 something when she got into the hospital, maybe a little less than that. But, um, but anyway, so it was, it was very obvious that, you know, there, that she had lost the weight. And then after seeing the house, she was not caring for herself. She was not really eating. She couldn't really cook because the kitchen was so bad. The sink was broken. So there were no dishes that could be washed. It was just, it was just really sad. It was really sad that she was in that house and, um, yeah. And, and the thing is listening to this, I, I know that if I was someone listening to the story, you'd be like, well, Sherry, why in the hell didn't she go down there and do something sooner? But she was my mom and, um, and I had to listen to her wishes. Something I didn't do as, as a young person, as a child, I was pretty, um, I was a pretty mouthy girl and I would talk back and I would be disrespectful and I didn't always listen. Um, to what my parents told me to do. Most of the time I didn't. I did my own thing. I will talk a little bit more about that here in a moment. But anyways, as a grown adult, a Christian woman, um, I felt I needed to respect what my mother wanted me to do. Um, now, I so right then we had to, I knew I had to make the decision. I said to my husband, there's no way we're getting her up. I'm going to have to call the ambulance. Um, and I, and I, and I got very emotional with my mom because I knew that was the last thing she wanted to do. She was kind of afraid of medicine. She did. She's, you know, as, as a 77 year old woman, honestly, aside from having hypothyroidism, she really had not battled any real chronic disease. Come to find out later, she had some things going on. She was probably definitely diabetic and not treated for that. Um, so she probably had that going on, but the hypothyroidism might've had something to do with her sugars being all over the place. But, um, Anyway, for most people, you know, to get to 77, you're taking a lot of some medications, as we know, most Americans are, and you're dealing with some kind of chronic disease, whether it be, um, whether it be, you know, heart disease or diabetes or something else, you're taking meds, arthritis, which she did have, um, but she didn't, she didn't go to the doctor she didn't take any pain medication. She wasn't a pill popper by any means. She was more of, she would try a lot of natural remedies, a lot of infomercial things, you know, things like that. But anyway, so I had to, I had to call the ambulance, but, um, what I want to share with you is what I told her. And that's what set the stage for the, the months that followed is I looked at my mom and I told her, I said, I know that you don't want to get help but I will make sure you are taken care of. And, and I will walk you through this journey and do whatever I can do to make sure you're okay. And I promised her that. And I feel like I succeeded to the best of my ability. Um, so I will kind of like quickly go through the next few weeks and how they went down. She ended up in the ER, local ER, smaller hospital. Um, her actual physician came in and kind of berated her. I will tell you, I honestly understood why she didn't want to go see him. 
Because I'm not going to lie, he was a total asshole to her. He's like, Phyllis, why haven't you come in? You know you were supposed to be taking talk to her like she was two years old. She was pissed. I could tell the way he was talking to her, and I completely got it. Um, I think because of her defiance, he didn't do his due diligence to maybe care for her. Plus, she was 77. And in my um, previous experience, and then with the experience I had with my mom, once you get to a certain age... Um, the care that you get in our health system is, or even in any rehab facility or anything else is not good because I hate to say you're written off, but you kind of are. And, um, so, and that is exactly what we face. So long story short, we were there for just, she was there for just a few short days. In my mind, I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen next. I have my family at home. We were still homeschooling, so we hadn't finished out the year. We were very close. The kids had just finished math. We were very close to finishing out the year. So I knew I could just, you know, put on hold just what we were doing and just, you know, give her the attention I needed since I don't have an outside job. I knew I could do that, but I knew I'd be faced to do that alone because my husband had to go back to work. So, um, and I knew we had to get the house cleaned up because even though in the back of my mind I knew she was dying, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how long she had. I didn't know. My gut told me not a long time. Um, but I knew the house had to be cleaned up. So she was in the hospital for a few days. They said she needed to go to rehab. At that time, she could stand with a walker not very well. She had use of her arms. She, um, she could sign her name. Uh, she could pick up a fork and feed herself, not very well, but she still could. She had the strength to do that. So, um, so I just would, you know, we decided rehab. I let her pick the facility because she seems pretty coherent to be able to do that. Uh, we picked a local um, nursing home that we were both familiar with. I wasn't super excited about her choice, but it's the one she wanted. It was close to, to where her house was. Um, so I said, let's do it. If that's what you want, let's do it. I will help in any way I can. So first things first, they get her, you know, into that facility. I knew we had to, had to get the house clean. We had to get people. We had to get like a, I think it was a 40 yard dumpster. Like her whole driveway was a dumpster. And it took my, my husband and I, once we got to, got her to the nursing home, we came back, we got my two oldest sons, we headed back to her place. So an overnight headed back down to where she was. She's at the nursing home. So I'm kind of thinking like, even though I hate nursing homes, I know the kind of care it's supposed to be rehab. So I knew, you know, they're going to, they're going to be working with her and physical therapy and occupational therapy, all the things. So I wasn't there a lot that first week because I was at her house cleaning up all the shit. And let me tell you, it was so I, you know, what I probably should do is share pictures. I don't know. Um, I could probably, I probably shouldn't do that because I, family is not, honestly, I will tell you. For family that's listening to this, I know this might be hard for you to hear, but I think it'll be helpful for other people. I'm sorry. That's all I'm going to say. It's it's the truth, and I'm given the truth. Um, but anyways, um, her kitchen, it was just, oh, it was bad. My husband had to really be the one to focus on that. Um, the boys were really good about helping me. I will tell you, we threw stuff away that probably shouldn't have been thrown away, but we had to get the house cleared out. So we just went room by room standing in her house and this is something this is my first little thing for all of you out there that are struggling with your health maybe you're listening to this and you've seen what I've been able to accomplish eating whole food plant-based and you're like I just don't know if I can do it and you're overwhelmed I understand completely 
And I will tell you, there were parallels with this whole thing. I stood in that house. I'm going to cry again. And I thought, how am I going to deal with all of this? And it's no different than if you're faced with having like a battle with your health and you have an illness or you have massive amounts of weight that you have to lose. And if you focus on the bad, if you focus on that weight, if you focus on the illness, you will not get better. You will not. You have to focus on the getting better. Something I did from the beginning of my journey is I didn't think about, Sherry, you have to lose 100 pounds. If I would have thought you have to lose 100 pounds, I would have just been frozen and paralyzed and thought there's no way in hell that can even happen. What I did is I thought about what I could do that day, take it day by day. What can I do right now? What can I feed myself? What do you, it was no different than when I was standing in that house because there was so much shit everywhere. I was so overwhelmed by all of it. And I thought there's no way in hell we're going to be able to clean this up. There's no way in hell. And I would just start bursting into tears. And my husband and the boys would walk me off the cliff and they'd say, we just need to focus on getting it cleaned up room by room, pile by pile. And we did. And I'm going to share a little bit more here about, and I mentioned my childhood kind of in the beginning. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail because it can be hurtful for some, but um, I had a lot of trauma as a kid. There were a lot of bad things that happened. So in this whole journey, I loved my mother. I still do. Um, but it was hard because I, I had, I went to therapy as an adult to deal with a lot of this stuff. I thought I was through a lot of it. Um, I knew some of my trauma from being younger and it was, you know, trauma, seven, eight, nine, 10, 16, lots of it. Um, they, it was, it was like my whole childhood really that I can remember. There were lots of things, lots of things. Um, there was a short window of some really bad and then lots of other stuff, just lots of baggage. And I know everybody's family, everybody, everybody has skeletons. As I'm saying this out to the, the podcasting world, I know we all do. Um, I think there were lots of kids that grew up in really good families that don't even realize how good they have it because they don't have anything to compare it to. But I think there are lots of us that grow up in broken homes and mine was one of them. It was not, it was not great for me. At least that was my experience. Can't speak for my brother, but this is me. So something I didn't think I would have to deal with was that trauma. As I was cleaning up my mother's crap, all of those feelings came back to me again. And in my own families, I know that those feelings and that hurt surfaces sometimes in how I respond to my children. And I know it because I'm very self-aware or how I deal with my husband or all of those things. But I've had over the last probably, oh, I don't know, 20 some years, um, maybe 18 years, I've had a really good handle on it. Um, I've, I've really um, worked through it really well or at least I thought so, until I had to deal with this and see the absence from being around it. I'm going to have to like wipe my nose. I apologize. Um, but not being around that and not being in it, I didn't realize how that those feelings would surface. So here I am in the middle of the mess. So like I said, that's kind of no different than if you're faced with like a huge weight loss or, you know, even a small weight loss, guys, let's be honest. 20 pounds is hard. Um, 30 pounds is hard. Sometimes even 10 is. Um, but if you want to get better, just like me standing in that house being a mess, 
you can't focus on the big you have to focus on the small and taking those little steps so okay so we got the house cleaned out oh gosh I'm almost 20 minutes in I'm gonna try to make this not so long but we got the house all cleaned out or cleaned out enough that it was livable or that we could even stay there because we didn't have the money to be staying in a hotel night after night after night and once we got it cleaned up we had to we had to be we had to be in it you know so um we had to stay there and it was kind of gross like you know it took us a while to eat there because of the bugs we had to get the bug situation under control um so i lived off of like hummus sandwiches <laughs> like hummus and lettuce and and bread from Aldi and I will tell you it was our best friend now I can't hardly eat hummus because that's all I ate those first few weeks but I didn't I okay in that I would have been so easy guys it would have been so easy to just go get fast food I didn't do it even in that hard I didn't do it um and now I wouldn't fault anybody for it but um I was shocked as shit that I didn't turn to it but I didn't so okay so there's that so we get the house cleaned up she's at the nursing home I'm finally able to get to where I'm there more and then I realize it's not good like really not good she wasn't eating at all um she got to where um she couldn't there was issue with her lifting her arms like one day she was okay with that and the next day it was pretty obvious so I'm thinking she had a stroke their therapist thought maybe that was the case we said something to the head nurse head nurse is like nope she was like that from the time she came in here which was bullshit it wasn't the case um i got to see how absolutely awful it was like they were letting her sit in her shit um i didn't realize at the time my mom my mother was fully incontinent they didn't know it either nobody cared to pay attention to it they had a catheter in from the hospital because she had a uti or did they no they didn't they had no catheter she had a uti no catheter came to the nursing home for rehab she was pooping herself i know this is a lot of information um but i found out later she had no control and then there was issues with feeding i knew she would eat peanut butter um so i went they wouldn't feed her so i went to like gordon foods got a big old like for those watching on the video it was like guys it was like bigger than my head size of peanut butter um from gordon foods and i set it in a room and i let them know if they forget to give it to her on the tray, make sure she's getting it because I know she'll eat it because she wouldn't eat anything and they wouldn't do any kind of smoothies. They wouldn't do anything because she needed high calories. She needed calories and she couldn't cut up her food and they would give her like a big old like nasty piece of meat that she couldn't even hardly cut up or chew. The other thing was my mother had dentures and because she had lost so much weight, she couldn't put, they were uppers, she couldn't put them in. So she couldn't really chew food. So see I'm cleaning her house all this is going on they don't really give a shit and she's like just sitting there she went days and days and days without any nutrition and they were still doing two rounds of physical therapy and one round of occupational therapy every single stinking day so think about going for someone who has zero calories no energy and going for a big old long one mile walk you it, it just it, it would it exacerbated any condition my mother had it exacerbated it so um there were lots of things let's just say I'm pretty good about I don't really get too upset with people I try to be really respectful of people but uh, it got to the point where I had to put the people in the room the administrator the nurses and everybody um, they had taken that big old thing of peanut butter one of the days I walked in I hadn't seen her since the day before it was the time that I had went home came back 
on her tray they had no shit taken that huge thing of peanut butter put a plastic spoon in it and sat it right down in front of her and that because they got sick of like having to get stuff for her, I guess I don't know it was just like the last straw we were already in the process I had made the decision once the house was clean we would just bring her home for home health care and I would be there for I didn't know how long or anything I had no idea so um I was trying to get that worked out uh, I was really concerned about her condition her bloating she got really bloated and um and then the they I told them they need to talk to the physical therapist. She thought the same thing I did, that maybe she had a stroke. Well, anyways, all of a sudden they were concerned and they, by ambulance, took her to the emergency room where she had been before. And she hadn't peed, like, the whole time she was there. Apparently, and nobody really knew it, her bladder was completely full, backed up into her kidneys. It was just a mess. So, really, really bad situation. Let's just say, right now, if you have any relatives that need to go to a nursing home facility, be very careful. Um, because a lot of them are short staffed and now after having to care for my mother, I understand how hard it is. And if you don't have the adequate staff or the adequate support, I can understand why you might neglect somebody. And, um, and if it's not somebody that is the part of your family, it, you know, just be forewarned. It's not good guys. Um, it's very, very, very sad. The state of our country and how we care for our elderly. So anyways, she ended up back at the, the ER there. Um, while she was there, they found um, what they thought was a brain bleed. They were doing, um, they did a CT. They thought they found a brain bleed. She had to be rushed down to another, um, the, the bigger hospital in Fort Wayne, which is not too far. But um, so she ended up there. Long story short, she didn't have a brain bleed, but we did find out that she had a broken back. She had, um, she had a lot of bone spring in her neck, which... To this day, I think was probably putting pressure on her spinal cord. That's why she was losing. They were putting her in a Hoyer lift to move her because they couldn't get her up out of the bed. She couldn't stand um, at the nursing home. And I think the Hoyer probably put more pressure. And I think that's maybe why the loss of her. And a Hoyer is like a little contraption that they put you in and move you. I learned lots of stuff through this whole process. But anyways, um, she had bone spurring. I think there was spinal cord compression, even though we were still not sure about that. She had all kinds of issues with her potassium and... You know, obviously her thyroid was, thyroid was still off the charts crazy, but just a lot of like, just a lot of little things that ended up being all a big thing, if that makes sense. So, um, her condition would kind of improve and then her blood pressure started dropping. And I think honestly, she was dying right then, but they put her on blood pressure meds to keep her pressures up. And then the blood pressure meds supported her pressures enough to keep her body kind of going. And then she was bedridden and not really moving. So then they ended up, um, they got her to a point there. And I don't even remember how many days she was in that hospital. Um, now I can't even tell you, but they got her to a point there where then she could go to rehab. And, um, so then we're looking at another rehab facility. We went to the best rehab facility in the area and honestly, it was uh, the best care that she had. But she, I knew she was. I knew her body was done. I could just see it. I was feeding her baby food at the hospitals. The They couldn't support what she needed diet-wise. Um, I was going and buying baby food. I had to be there for all three meals to make sure she ate it because there was nobody there to feed her. And I knew that was going to be an issue at rehab, too. I know that they say that they will help them, but if somebody needs that kind of care... What I, what I found out is it doesn't really happen. And um, 
So anyway, she only made it a week at that rehab facility and she just declined very rapidly because it was a lot. It was, you know, four hours of rehab a day and her body was just already just gone. Really? It was just so weak. And so, um, they gave her some options. She could be readmitted to the hospital and put on, um, IV thyroid medication, which they probably honestly should have done in the beginning, but that wasn't an option that was given to her. Um, and it could be, who knows, um, who knows how long. And she wanted out of the hospital and we had gotten the house to where she could go home. And they said, um, because she was not, she was losing more weight and she was becoming more fatigued and more weak that, um, hospice was probably the other option. And she, I let her decide that and she was able to, and I'm thankful for that. So that's what was chosen. And so that would have been the beginning of May. So we went a month with all the hospitalizations and rehab. And then we were um, to the beginning of May and we brought her home. Um, and I, I wasn't sure that I could do it because the decision was made that I would be the one caring for her. And I knew that that, that meant I would be away from my family. I had already been away from my family for a month. My husband was there when he could be. Um, I, I was swapping out children. Um, it ended up being we had to make some decisions on who was going to stay with me. She was a um, two-person transfer, which meant we knew we wouldn't be taking her to the bathroom or anything like that because she couldn't get out of bed. And we knew at that point she went home with the catheter and we knew she was fully incontinent. So, But I needed someone else to help me roll her and things in bed. I've, not, I've never been a nurse, not trained as a nurse. Um, but here I was faced with this decision to do this. And I really didn't have a decision guys, because although I struggled with the relationship with my mom, um, when I was younger, I was pretty committed to caring for her. Um, and I knew that there was no one else that could do it or would do it. And so I was it. So I didn't really feel like I had a decision really. Um, I guess I could have said no and I could have, you know, found a facility and I could have put her in that facility. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to come home and sleep at night after what we'd went through the first time around. Um, I couldn't. And I don't, for any of you out there who have loved ones in facilities, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Um, but I just, I myself, if I knew that that was an option, I knew I had to take it. If I could do it. And I just saw it as I had had eight children. I have eight, eight children. Um, I was able to care for all of them. And I knew at this point my mom it was really no different than me having another child to care for. And I just knew I had to do that. So they tell you hospice is very supportive. And they are. We had a fabulous nurse. I love her to death. Her name was Brooke. I won't say her last name because I don't know if she would allow me to or want me to. But... She was very good, very supportive. I felt like she was family by the end of it. Um, but I was still, it was still me caring for her. They don't come at three o'clock in the middle, you know, the middle or three o'clock in the morning. They're not there. They're there, you know, every, in the beginning, just a couple times a week, you know, a couple, maybe once a week for bathing, two times a week, however much she wanted. But it was really on me. And we chose my, one of, not my oldest son, but the next down, um, my son, Logan and I, and he helped me and it was the next, um, there was one little reprieve in there that Logan had because he had a piano recital and I really wanted him to perform. So he went back home and then um, my daughter Shelby 
came and helped for about three weeks. But um, for for the most part, it was Logan and I caring for my mom at her house um, while she was dying. And um, and it it was um it was hard and torturous at times, and other times it was happy and joyful because it was um there were moments with my mom that were very sweet and um she got to each weekend my husband would come which is not easy it was very difficult but he would come and bring some of the other kids or they would swap out so she got to see everybody and um Allison my oldest that lives at home stayed and took care of the kids here kind of you know finished out some of the things that I didn't get to do for school with them and if I didn't have her uh, I don't know how he would have done it because she, so the large family did help me tremendously. It was a blessing that I had all of them. We wouldn't have been able to do it without all of that. Um, but I don't, and I'm not someone who has regret. So I, I know a lot of people have asked me, my husband included, how do you feel? Do you wish that you would have, you know, done something sooner? Of course I, you know, having her in that mess and knowing that she was living like that, it's tough, but I am very much a Christian person. So, um, I knew that, you know, God would guide me. He would lead me. And I think that he did. And he took care of me, us through the whole journey. Now, I don't know if you are not a person of faith. I don't know how you would get through something like this because I knew dealing with my mom dying too. I had been around other family members deaths. My father included. I was there when he passed. I was there when Darren's father passed um I it death was not a stranger to me so I had walked those tough tough things before but not in the way that I had to care for a dying person it was already always somebody else and I was there right so um so I guess it it was tough those ending days I knew it was getting closer I'm going to be really transparent though as it drew on and it drew on and everybody's saying it's going to be soon that they even thought the um, our nurse went to where I believe it was probably about three and a half weeks before my mom passed I thought they thought that maybe she would be passing soon because of some of her symptoms so they went to the daily like where the nurse comes daily and then she like rallied and because she was bedridden, um, she everything was slow. So it took a, it took a while for for her body to finally shut down. And since she was so stubborn, I think that you know she just wasn't ready, honestly. Because even in the beginning, I'll tell you, um, my mom knew she was dying. There was no question. I, we were very you know very open about the whole situation. She would even tell people when they called. Um, she got to talk to some of her relatives. I would hold the phone for her. And the first thing she'd say is I'm on my deathbed. So she knew, um, and she was very much a Christian person. So, um, she had faith in, no in knowing on where she was going when that moment would happen, when she would pass. But I started to get bitter towards the end. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to go home and to tell you there was a moment, there were lots of moments where it was really, really hard. And my, my, um, my son was there to witness it, but like our youngest son, Darren and I's youngest son, Edison, he learned how to ride a bike while I was gone. And, um, of course they took video and he wanted me to see it. And my husband sent it to me and I just, it was so hard guys. Like I just broke down bawling. I didn't know. I didn't let hit like let Edison know that, but it just hurt so bad. I mean, 
I wasn't there. Um, and it was hard. So it's like this whole battle, you know, this caregiver battle. But I, it, it's a blessing, though, to be able to give that to someone. You know, my mom, she lived in this bad, bad place and it, horrible. And she even said that first night or the first, maybe the second night she was in the hospital, she said, Sherry, I had a dream that my, uh, I woke up, my house was all clean. And I said, Mom, I'm going to make that happen for you. And I was able to do that and, um, and get her back home. And she was able to pass at home. So she passed away on July the 12th. Um, her uh, service, her memorial ser service was actually last Saturday. I was going to do this podcast prior to now, but I wanted to wait until that was kind of all passed. Um, it, was, it was just a really crazy journey. And, um, and it felt like forever. I missed a whole season. I came home to like summer, you know, and when I left, it was, I took my winter coat guys. I had my winter boots with me when I was first there because we had snow in April. And, um, so it was, it was just a crazy, crazy thing. I will tell you though, if you, um, ever have the opportunity to have, to be able to do that for someone that you love, regardless of your relationship, do it. Do it for them because they deserve it if you can. And the thing is, it's really easy to, I could have said, I, but I, I was getting ready to like start a pod. And if you don't know what that is, it was a plant. I know this sounds kind of trivial and, and all that, but I was getting ready to do all these things. I was going to start a pod here in West Michigan support group for those that want to transition to a whole food plant-based lifestyle. You know, um, I was working on some other things where I was moderating and it's, it's, but really leaving my family, I, 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 I had to leave them and, um, but it's worth the sacrifice. It's a short time. In the end, while I was in it, it felt really long. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a short time. And I was able to give her something that really no one else could. And I think I think for her, um, and I, I would like to go into detail because there's so much more that I can share. But I would be on here for like a whole nother... Um, easily another hour or more because I want to share about the dying process too but I don't want to do that right here right now because that might be more than what all of you want to hear but I will tell you if any of you are facing any of this walking any of this journey and you need an ear I am here you can email me or message me or whatever I just know I was blessed with some really cool things though through the process one I didn't give up on eating whole food plant-based even when it would have been easy to just you know have food I could have had like like any of the food delivery services because here I can't do that there I could have done I could have made all those choices to do all those things and not treated myself um well because emotionally there were some really hard days and my worst like I don't want to say cheat things because whole food plant-based eating for me is a lifestyle but I, I would get trail mix has oil in it I think it's on like the um I don't know if it's on the raisins or what but it was you know like a raisins and and banana chips and um cashews and peanuts kind of trail mix and there was another one too from Aldi 
And that was my like emotional eating. I would eat some of that and my weight would go up like, you know, a couple pounds here. And I, but I'll tell you, my body is in such a good place that I would just stop eating it and I would, and I would drop the weight and I was still walking down there, guys. Logan would watch my mom and I would go on walks. Um, and I think if you, if you follow me on Instagram, I did a walk Well, you won't know, you won't see it now. Cause it was in my stories, I think with Allison this last weekend, or maybe last week when I was down there in Indiana. Um, and I still did, I needed to move my body. I, I needed to feel good because I had to take care of her and, you know, praise Jesus. I didn't get sick the whole time I was there. And I, and I know I, and I know that I know that in all my knowers, that if I would have been in the shape that I was in prior to going whole food plant-based, you know, 240 plus pounds and diabetic and, you know, high cholesterol feeling like shit, I could have never cared for my mom. I could have never done that. Not, not physically could I have done it, nor emotionally. And whole food plant-based eating gave me that it gave me the ability to care for my body in a way that so that I could care for her. So just know that how you treat your, I hit the mic, just know that how you're treating yourself isn't just for you. Tomorrow, it could be your day to make that same decision. And maybe it's not for your parents. Maybe it's for one of your kids. You know, it's health is so important and it's fleeting and it's, but we can take charge of our own health. And I know that I've proved it. I've done it. And you don't always have to depend on others. You can make the choice for you. And so I wanted to get you caught up to where I was. And I want you, for any of you listening to this, it, this isn't, uh, I don't want you to, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Um, I did enough of that for all of us. <laughs> when I was there, I did feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like this. Oh, I'm going to manifest all these good feelings and all the things and, and be happy every day. I did try to find joy in my days. Some days it was very, very, very hard, but I got through it just like in the beginning when I wanted to get healthy and I was walking and my feet hurt so fucking bad that I didn't know how I was going to make the next step. I just did it. And that's how, that's how improving your health is. It's just one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, one meal at a time, guys. So anyways, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I could go on and on. Um, I know where there were some other things that I would have liked to have said, and maybe I will share this later. I, I'm going to be really transparent. I don't know where the podcast is going to go. I have a feeling I will continue, but I'm still, I'm in prayer about that, about what my next steps are. I'm very much in the beginnings and in the depths of the grieving process. I'd like to think, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go, you know, move forward. And I've kind of talked to everybody like that's the case. I'm going to the next chapter. You know, now I can finally move forward. But then I have days like today. Today was a really hard day for me. And, um, and it's, you know, I know I'm battling a bit of depression with all the things you start to, I'm going to be 50, not this year, but next year. And, um, I'm having like those, all the things are going through my head. Like after losing my mom, like where, where do I want to be and what do I want to be doing and where do I, how, how do I 
like want to show up in the world for my kids, for my family, for my husband and for all of you. And um, so I'm kind of still making those decisions. And, you know, if you're listening to this and it's something you would like for me to continue, please reach out. I'd like to hear from you and um, know if it's helpful or not. Um, I hope that it is. If you stumble on this, I'm not going to take any of this stuff down. If you stumble on this, you know, months and months from now and you're dealing with any of these things, um, just know you're not alone. Lots of people have walked down the road you're facing, whether it be health or um, death, dealing with death and loss. So anyway, um, I hope this was good. I hope you got something from it. Uh, I appreciate you listening and um, remember, I'll leave you with this. Remember, don't be screwed by food. Eat whole food plant-based. You know, get out there, move your body, eat some plants. Have a blessed one.